Amen. Come on, give Jesus a shout of praise, somebody. Now, I came ready for you. I hope you're ready for me. So, you know what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, Pastor Steph is with her mother and some of her fa father and some of their family uh, in Florida celebrating her birthday this week. So, miss her already. Man, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I want to pray before we really get in. I'm going to teach you some of the clues to your assignment. And I know many are traveling today. Many are watching online as well. Um, I want to pray for the pastors at Centerpoint, you know, Pastor Parsons, who, who Tim Parsons, who passed away uh, uh, this past week, and now his executive pastor has passed away. They have some other leaders. I guess they were all on a mission. I don't know the story, something about a mission trip or something. I don't know whatever it is, but I know the devil's a liar. And what he meant for harm, some way God had turned to good. Let's let's all stand up and let's come into agreement for Center Point Church right now. Father, right now, we just lift up our brothers and sisters. We lift up Pastor Parsons' family, his executive pastor's family, and we lift up the family of God, their church. And right now, whatever Satan meant for harm, we just come against it and break it in Jesus' name. God, we just release our faith, hope, and love. We grieve with them, Father. We're, we're broken with them, but we also stand with them for whatever God has next for that church. It's a great ministry with many, many great families, God, and great staff team. And I pray you just give them wisdom and, and, and healing and power to move into whatever was in the heart of Pastor Parsons. He is such a great visionary. And we just pray that this ministry will live on and be a legacy to God and to Him. And we give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, oh, come on, give God a shout. Um, I, I won't hold you too long, probably not, maybe, uh, since it's holiday week, Labor Day. So anybody laboring, if you're not laboring, we can go a while, right? Um, so, oh shoot, oh, next weekend, oh my goodness, Pastor Bill Walton's going to be here <laughs> Sunday morning, Sunday night, and not only that, uh, his family, his entire family, all of his brothers are going to be here, and some of their spouses, <clears throat> and then Pastor Bill's family will be here, but his brothers do worship, and they all are in business and different things. One of them is a full-time worship leader, but but many of them are in business, but they all play, sing, and worship. So they'll get up and bless us too. I mean, we'll have our worship team crushing us always. And then I was talking to Pastor Bill yesterday. He's like, oh my goodness, Pastor Dalton, I just feel the flow is going to be amazing and people are going to be healed and set free. So <clears throat> make sure you're here next weekend. Please invite people all week. Let them know uh, what's going on with that. The other thing is, and <clears throat> be praying for that. The other thing is, um, we, uh, Michael Garrison, and then uh, uh, he's along, I helped him, and so did Michael uh, Tush, McTush. We got the drywall on most of it under this, but we still got to finish this side of the drywall, and then we got to mud it and paint it, which I'm not skilled to do that. I can help him build it and that, but Michael, I guess, will be leading that up. But I'd like to get a few other things done with some lighting and other things that Michael's an expert in. So <clears throat> if any of you have any skill set and can come out Tuesday or another day this week, let me know. We don't have much, but if we had a couple more skilled people or kind of skilled people to help us, we could knock it out a lot quicker. So he and I will be here Tuesday morning for sure, and then we can move around. I can move around this week and work with someone if some other people could come in and skilled, because we also need to get it drywalled and all that and love to get it painted before this weekend if possible. So uh, make sure you let, uh, let's see, let Michael, he's out there doing security right now. Uh, let Becca, here's Becca, or wave at us, Becca. Let her know, or Megan, or someone there. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your sweet presence. I thank you that you have assigned us and called us for such a time as this. I thank you that no weapon formed against us can prosper, that, Father, you have just marked us for this generation and for this time, and that, Father, our assignment is so critical because you designed us to fulfill a mission for each one of us on this planet. God, you don't make junk, you don't make mistakes, but you made us for this hour, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, 
Amen, amen. Well, I want to talk to you a few minutes about your kingdom assignment. I've been trying to get to the clues. And one of the first clues that you need to understand if you're going to learn what your kingdom, now we know our kingdom assignment, I want to get to that in the next week or two, about is the Great Commission and our calling and all that. And this all ties into it. But the first clue I want to talk to you about is this. God can and does speak to you. God can and does speak to you. See, I was talking to someone this week about that and, and, and praying with, oh, someone on a business deal. Oh, by the way, finally, finally, this Thursday, I think it was, the property closed. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, it, it's, I don't even want to confess that nothing seems to come easy, Right. But here, Pastor Steph and I, were going to celebrate Brother Bill, Pastor Bill's birthday in Colorado Springs. It was supposed to close the Friday before we left. Stuff happened, and then all of a sudden, we had to walk away from the deal, walk away till they got some stuff worked out. They called, so we got it worked out. So the closing attorney met us downtown, and in the back of her car in her hatchback, we signed, so on the behalf of Bethel, obviously, and then we thought, well, it's done. Well, we get there. The whole vacation would be on them. We're getting, oh, we don't know if this is going to happen. A bunch of logistics. So it took almost two entire weeks. And finally, this past Thursday, it closed. Hey, amen. Now, what does that mean? That means that $2 million goes directly toward our debt and our mortgage at the church, right? Um, and... That means also that once uh, the developer, we Bethel Harvest Church formed a company to go in partners with the developer, Anderson Communities, and it's a large developer here. He's already got a few of the lots taken, and they're just finalizing the deals. Once the construction costs and everything that Bethel has already gotten paid around 3.4, 3.5 million is, comes in, which could come in quickly on these deals that he's got signed now, then Bethel will get 40% of any other deals. Now, that doesn't mean we own 40% of their businesses. That means any ground or land lease or sales, Bethel will get 40%. So it's really cool because um, not only do we get the $2 million, that gets us down right at half or more than half off our mortgage here and on this property and, and all that. But it frees up uh, all this interest. We'll be looking at refinancing. It just, just so, does so many things for the church and the ministry and the kingdom. I'm so sick of being in the kingdom of God and paying interest. It's not God's fault, right? But I'm so thankful we're getting closer and closer to knocking that out. Now, once the other money comes in, we'll continue to pay the mortgage down because my goal is that this is a debt-free ministry. We're not paying any interest to anyone. And that every penny that comes in on tithes and offerings is going totally in to kingdom ministry. Can you believe that with me? So that means we got to keep giving. We got to keep none of the money's really coming to, 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 for operations here. We want to put it straight toward the debt. So we want you guys to keep giving, keep sowing, keep believing. And that should prove to you that Bethel is good ground. Amen. One of the deals, well, really one, yeah, the biggest deal down there on the corner uh, looks like it's getting ready to be the, the letter of intent's done, the contract's hashed out. They may have already signed it. It's going to be a large deal uh, for, the land, for him and Bethel. We're just leasing the ground, just the ground, a little over an acre to a high-end uh, convenience store, grocery store, gas station, a real nice one. I can't tell you the name of it. And it will bring in over $2.4 million in 20 years. It's a lease. Now, we get four, Bethel gets 40% of that lease, but here's the beautiful thing. At the end of 20 years, it comes back to the company, and we can lease it again, right? Amen. And we have another piece of land, a small, about a quarter of an acre to a coffee shop, not Starbucks, but a really good one, and that's a lease. And then we have about four and a half acres up here in the very corner, the back part sold, and that's the only thing sold so far, which will bring in... Uh, to that whole development, I'm probably confusing you, giving you too much information, but it's okay. It'll bring in around 2.5 million, I think it is, right around there. Now, we don't get all that. That's paying the 3.4 to 3.5 back so Bethel can start getting the 40%. We still have one to two more lots left that we're believing will be leased. 
And that's where Bethel will really get into a position to knock down another million to two million off our debt. Do you, is that exciting or what? This has been a, at least a 12-year journey, closer to 15, but a 12-year journey that, that we've been standing and believing and fighting for this. And God is good. And God does what he says he's going to do. Not always on our time, right? But on his time. Give God a big shout for that. Please, if you didn't understand what I'm saying, don't go out and say, oh, Bethel got millions. No. Please don't do that. Ask questions. Ask Mark, Becky, or myself, Becca, or somebody. Amen. Okay. So that doesn't leave us much time here, but let's get going. So the first clue to your kingdom assignment is God does and will speak to you. You know, a lot of people get confused with that. Oh, I know why I went with that. There's a, a person that's involved in, in the land deal that's helped us along, and, and he's a, a very nice gentleman and just really come back to God and closer to God through this, and I've been kind of ministering to him and loving him. And about a month ago, he said, man, I just don't know. I got this and that and these illnesses. And he said, I just don't know how to hear God. I said, just, do you pray? Yeah, I pray. I said, when you pray, just take a few minutes after and listen. Just don't say anything. Well, then he calls me. He says, oh, my goodness, what you told me has changed my life. I said, what do you mean? He said, I had this big situation come up. I was scared to death, didn't know what to do. I just took it to the Lord in prayer, and I sat there, and God spoke to me. He said, now I know God's voice. I said, see, we know God's voice. We just don't recognize it. I said, if you're born again, you know his voice because he's the one that called you and brought conviction on you to give your life to him. So if you know him, you know his voice. The key is, are you listening and practicing toward the voices of him speaking, giving you those nudges, giving you those confirmations? You know, people say, well, it's an audible voice. Well, he speaks that way to some people occasionally that are more in the prophet mode than that. I've had what seemed to be audible voices to me multiple times, many times in my life. And it is always confirmed in my spirit. But what I want you to realize is God does and he will speak to you. And that's the key, the first clue to your assignment. Because it's like this. When I hear Stephanie's voice, I don't have to wonder what her voice is. Why? Because I know her, right? And, and she knows me. And it's like Prophet Andre was teaching about a month ago when he was here. We are directional. We deal directly with one another in communication, whether it's writing or whether it's speaking or whatever. But God is relational, and, and he created us for relationship. That's why he created Adam and Eve, right? He created them to be in the cool of the garden with him and to walk with him and to talk with him and to be with him. He created you and I, designed us for the very purpose of being in relationship with us more than just giving you a designation. Remember, your destiny, Derek, in Hebrew, what's it mean? It doesn't mean the destination you're going to, it, that word in the Hebrew means a pathway or a roadway that has a beginning and it does have an ending, but your destiny is the journey you're on, right? Even when you get to heaven, it's not finished. You're not going to be sitting there with little fat cherubs. First of all, they're not little fat. They're mighty, mighty kingdom warriors for God. And Satan scares the heck out of him whenever, I was going to say something else, but scares the heck out of him and reminds him of where he's going whenever one of these cherubs show up. So I want you to realize that, that God has designed you specifically with a plan, with a purpose. Your destiny is what? It, you discover it. You don't create it. You don't produce it and make it happen. You perform it. I mean, you, 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 uh, you fulfill it. You can't even do it on your own. We're going to talk about some of these clues because when you see that certain clues that we think are negative is really positive because that even confirms that much more that God has marked you. Have you ever had accomplished anything great in your life without trouble, problems, and pressure? Anybody? If you have, you just won the lottery. God bless you. But everybody else, doesn't it seem like every time we push through, we press through? That's why I always tell you through is important. I mean, it's been over a 12-year journey believing for the church, and, and, and we're finally breaking through. But through is important. We could have given up a month ago, a year ago, five years ago, definitely 10 or 11 years ago, but we didn't. And because we were persistent, God was consistent. Oh, you better. Oh, that's tweetable there. When we're persistent, God is consistent. He's consistently downloading to you. He's consistently imparting to you. He's consistently making a way where there seems to be no way for you so that you can walk in the fullness of his plan 
that he designed you for. Let's look at this. God can and does speak to you. The first clue, let's go back to Jeremiah 1, 5. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified Bible. Amen. I think I deserve a drink after all that talking. Somebody says, I wish you'd stop so we could eat burgers. So it says, before I formed you, God speaking to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That word new in the Greek, this is Hebrew, but it's also a shadow of it, is epnosis. Epnosis. Now, epnosis means to be got or to birth you. To, 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 so, so when God talks about knowing you, he's talking about more than an intimate knowing. You see, when the boys were born, I was there in delivery with Steph, and that was back when they started letting the father see. And they said, what do you want to see? I said, well, I'll stay up here and pray for her. And then what I need to see, then I ended up having to see, but the beautiful thing I see, because I got to cut the cords on both of them, was, man, when they were born, you talk about knowings. I knew them better than I knew myself, right? And so did Steph. Why is that? Because they're part of me and part of my DNA and part of her and part of her DNA, and God created and designed us to bring them into this world. They weren't a mistake. They were designed to come through us and our assignment. God had an assignment on us, and out of that, Parker and Pierce came, and now Gabby's uh, our daughter, uh, along with us, the same as she came through her parents, but we really come from the one that creates us all, God, our Heavenly Father, and he designed that event to happen. Now, I used to think, man, how, how, this is amazing. I was, you know, we were like, you're going to let us take this kid home when we took Parker home? I'm like, we're watching videos, practicing swaddling and all that like you guys. And we're like, okay. They're like, wheel us out to the front. Okay, see ya. I'm like, I guess I'll get the car. I'm like, help her in the car. And we're looking at each other. And we're looking at like, they're going to let us take him home? Oh, Lord. You know, we were panicking. So I'm sure most parents feel that way in the beginning, right? If not, you're probably an interesting parent. But we felt that way, right? So, so what I'm saying, but, but as we got to know that we had the confidence, and what I want you to realize, knowing epnosis, to know, to have knowledge or wisdom in the Greek, what's that mean? When I know someone or something, it gives me confidence because I'm secure in the facts that I already know. And I want you to be secure in the fact that God does, God will, and does speak to you, and he speaks to you through what? He speaks to you. I'll share with you here how he speaks to you. So, so we see here that he speaks to us through the design. It says that before I formed you in your mother's womb, and, and see, before I performed you in your mother's womb and approved of you as my chosen instrument. Think about that. He, he, he made sure we were designed just right as an instrument in his hand to be used. As my chosen instrument, and before you were born, before you were born, I consecrated you to myself as my own. You see, God has an assignment on every person, not just prophets or five-fold ministries, but every one of us, because he says he's no respecter of persons, and Jesus is what? The same yesterday, today, and forever. So therefore, that every one of us are his sons and daughters that are born again. Even those that are not born again, he's already purchased them believing that they would come home, because the only thing Satan can do to really make God feel it is when he can take one of us to hell. When he can keep someone from coming to Christ or he can get someone to fall away from Christ, that's the only real attack he has. He doesn't, we're just a pawn to Satan, but we are an assignment for God. Like an arrow out of a quiver he pulled when he designed you and created you in his own image, he said in Genesis 1. We created you in our own image, in our own likeness, both male and female. We created you. Think about image, imagio. So just like Parker and Pierce were born with Steph's DNA and my DNA, you and I are born again in God's DNA, in his image, in his likeness. We walk like him and talk like him. We can see like him and speak like him if we will listen and obey and stay locked into the assignment that he created on, created you to be. Does anyone believe that this morning? He said, and before you were born, I consecrated you to myself and as my own. I have appointed you 
as a prophet to the nations. Now he's talking to Jeremiah, but every one of us has been designed. I talked that to you the last couple of weeks out of 2 Timothy 1, 9, that you have been saved and called, not your own calling, but a holy calling uh, uh, to Christ Jesus before time began or before the world began. Before the world began, God knew you. Before the world began, God designed you. Before the world began, God had an assignment for you. Say, God has an assignment for me. So a lot of times we get in God's assignment and we think, well, why have I got problems? Oh, Jesus, he didn't have any problems, did he? I mean, you know, they tried to throw him off a cliff and kill him, right? They spat on him, stabbed him with a spear, hung him naked in front of his family and the whole community on a cross until he died. So, so, so just because you have problems doesn't mean you're not in your assignment. I said, just because you have problems does not mean you're not in your assignment. Parker was using something a couple weeks ago, similar to the way I used to use it. You see, this used to be that. You don't understand. This building you're in used to be that building we were believing for. These chairs you're in, sitting in, this chair you're sitting in used to be that chair we believed for. So everything that is this at one time should have been that. If not, you're probably in the wrong this. But when you're persistent and you pursue and you trust and you hear God's voice, what happens is that's when you can look at that and you pursue till you get there. When you get there, you didn't just, it's over. You, it, it, heaven's not just a destination, it's a kingdom. Bible calls it the kingdom of heaven, has government in it. So you're going to be a part of some type of government or serving the government. I'm ready to be the government instead of serving these governments. How about you? Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. So as we look at this, we see that God is sharing revelation that goes beyond Jeremiah's calling. So we look at his calling to be a prophet, but God knew everything about him and his likeness. And Jeremiah is like you and I, we're born again. He was grafted in, has the same DNA and likeness of God. And when we realize that, we should understand and hear his voice. Now, another key way to balance all this out is found in Matthew's gospel, chapter four, verse four. The primary way you hear the voice of God is through his word. Now, the, his word in the Greek has two uh, definitions that define it. And that's logos and um, rhema. Logos is the sum total and purpose of God's word. Rhema is when you get a promise out of God's word, a promise out of God's word. So when you put together the sum total purpose of sum total of God's word and purpose, sum, sum, sum total of God and his purpose, his assignment, what happens? Then you get his promise, what's going to give you the ability to fulfill what it is God has for you. So Jesus said this, but he answered and said, it is written, when he's talking to the devil, right? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word, say every word. Not just the words you like. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So as we think about that, even Jesus quoted the word to the devil when he was meeting him face to face being confronted with him. God also speaks to his children to children, his servants. He speaks through ministers and, and leaders and prophets and pastors, evangelists, teachers. He speaks through other blood-bought believers into your life. God finds ways to speak. He can even use an evil king and have him bless you even when he don't want to bless you and speak into your life because God is God and he's not. Can anybody say Amen. <clears throat> through your life experiences, through, through practicing life and going through relationships and good relationships and bad relationships and good decisions and poor decisions, God is always speaking in whatever situation you find yourself, whatever place you've, and what I've found, it seems like when I'm at my lowest lows, it's like, I can't hear God, I can't hear God, and all of a sudden I hear him clearer and louder and it's a life word that I have to hold the rest of my life, whatever God spoke to me during that time. Like I shared with you when I was battling depression years ago and, and, and didn't even know what it was for about three years or so and got so bad, I was weeping and crying. I'd just come and preach. People didn't realize it, go home, go to the kids' sports, help with that. And that's all I did. I didn't do anything for myself, just, just did that. And Steph said, you got you to go get some help. And when I did, God brought a great mentor in my life 
that, that, that helped set me free. God used him as an instrument to set me free. Now, as that happens, what I want you to realize is out of that, I learned I have nothing to prove. You said, but you were in your 40s and you'd already been preaching the gospel since you were 23. You'd already been preaching the gospel for 20, over 20 years. You'd already been a full-time pastor, nine years at World Harvest and the remaining years here, 11 or 12 here. I'd already been a pastor shepherding people for 20 years and found myself in a place of still real, not realizing I was still trying to prove myself to God and to others. Say this with me. I have nothing to prove. Say, I have nothing to prove. I'm God's child. I'm his boy. I'm his girl. I have nothing to prove. You're not here to prove anything. You're here to fulfill something. You're here, the Bible calls you an ambassador of Christ. You're here to be an ambassador to bring his kingdom to wherever you are in whatever situation you find yourself in. So as we see this, we realize that God speaks through his word. That's a primary way. And that's why in the word, you begin to realize that really Jesus is God with skin on. Because he was 100% God, a great mystery, and 100% man. And he operated as a man and laid his Godheadship down to use the word, to use uh, what God was saying to him. He said, I don't do anything or say anything unless the Father speaks it to me. Why? Because he's on the Father's assignment. The clearer we get, look, look, Satan would love to get you, oh, I blew it. I blew it yesterday. I blew it last week. I, he'd love to get you. You're not that big a deal. Did you get that? You're not that big a deal that the world stops because you messed up. But you're loved and you're chosen. And what he said is, repent and I will throw your sin into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. That's what Micah, in the book of Micah, says that God is, uh, Numbers, it says, God is, I'm a God and I do not lie. I'm God and I do not lie. And then in Micah, he said, what? When, you're, when you repent, that means change your mind, direction, your behavior. That means I say, okay, Lord, I give it to you. I messed up. And you know what he says? Okay, son. Throws it in the sea. He, he, didn't, he didn't want you to repent for you, because he already forgave you, he loves you. He wants you to repent so he can release favor and blessing on your life to be who he called you to be and to because he's got a focus on you to fulfill your assignment. Say, I have an assignment. Amen. So Satan would love to get you just looking over your shoulder. And, well, then you get the fear of failure. Well, I messed up. I did good for a while. And then I'm going to mess up again and mess up again. Most of this messing up stuff's really in your own mind anyway right? They're probably messing up a lot worse in ways we don't even realize than ways that's pointed out to us. But the bottom line is God's grace is sufficient. Does anybody believe that? Doesn't give us a license to be disobedient, but boy, it sure is awesome. No, I have grace that is sufficient for whatever I need it for. Can anybody say amen to that? So when we look at Jesus' life, we find out what God loves and what God hates. He hates religion. Jesus says, your religion is the thief of my power. That's what got me all into the kingdom of the Holy Ghost. I mean, not mean into the Holy Ghost. I was a good Nazarene, holiness, preacher, businessman. But I heard a message by Pastor Rod Parsley when I went back to school to get my theology stuff done while I was running my businesses in northern Ohio and Mount Vernon Nazarene University. And a couple of buddies talked me into sitting down in one of the bottoms of one of the dorms and in the hall in the foyer there and watching a message from Pastor Rod and he was preaching religion is the thief of my power. And it, it, the traditions of men is, is the thief of my power. I just kind of changed it. And traditions can be good and bad. But you remember, a tradition is just that. It's just a tradition. That's why this next move, the move of God, God's doing right now, it won't be like the one that it was before. You know why? Because that's just, it's going to stand on the shoulders of that. Parker won't be what I am. He stands on the shoulders of Steph and I. Pierce stands on the shoulders of Steph and I. Why? We're just launching them because God assigned them to come through our DNA, which is part of God's DNA, and now they have that DNA, and God has assigned them with their own assignment. That's why I don't manipulate my boys and say, you need to do this. And Now, I, I, if there's something stupid or something, I say, yeah, you don't do that. Or I, I love to coach them and help me where I can, but, but I leave enough line on, on there just to let them, I don't ever want them to do something just because they think I want them to do it. I want them to do it because they understand the why. 
But why? I'm God's son. I'm his kid. He has an assignment on my life, and I don't want to waste my time. Say I don't want to waste my time. So here, here's, here's another clue that you, you're going to realize when you, when, as you walk us out. When you begin to hear God and know God's voice, right, you will find out that a clue is that your assignment from God will often re- reveal your limitations. Your assignment from God will often reveal your limitations. That's why a lot of times people who are gifted in music or sports or preaching or ministry or communi- communicating like I do or leadership can get so arrogant. We, it's easy for us to get arrogant until we come hit a limitation and realize it's not about us, it's about God and those he's called us to. So we've got to realize this, why did God bless me with a great career? Why did God bless me, you know, with health? Why did God bless me with a family? Why did God bless me with an education? Whatever it is, why did God bless me? You've got to always go back to the why. The why trumps the what and how. Most of the world is just looking for what and how. They don't understand their why. And they're like a, a, a hamster in a wheel, just running, 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 and never being fulfilled. But see, you were fulfilled the instant you gave your life to Christ. The instant you you gave your life to Christ, the Bible says you died and became alive in him forevermore. So instantly you received not only eternal life, but you you tapped in to the awakening of your creator. And your creator has an assignment on you. What are you fixing there, James? Oh, thank you, brother. Man, Pastor Steph, did she text you? She's watching online. She'll check it out. Thank you, honey. So, 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 So anyway... What, what we got to realize is, is that we've been created with a purpose and a plan. Purpose, right? Hebrew, uh, Greek, prothesis, Greek. Pro means before. Thesis means design or deliberate design or plan. In a before deliberate design or plan, God created you. Why? You're like an arrow he's shooting. And there's a scripture on it. I just can't remember it right now. But there's an arrow. You're like an arrow. And, and, and let that arrow be strong and straight and ready to be flung by God to be flung by God. Because if it's strong and it doesn't splinter, it can be used again, right? So we would be strong and not splintered. And if we are splintered, God can repair us because he said he would, amen? So as we look at this, our limitations can can reveal uh, your assignment because when you come to the end of yourself, you know it's God, right? Look at me in Jeremiah. Well, we'll look back at Jeremiah 1 again, but we'll drop down a few verses to about verse six. It says, all Lord God, Behold, I cannot speak for I'm a youth because God's sending him, right? He says, I can't, I can't speak for I'm a youth. <clears throat> but the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth, but Lord, I'm a youth. Because you were considered a youth until you were 30. And then you could begin to start your own family, your own life as a male. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Hmm. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I'm with you to deliver you, says the Lord. So I want you to realize that Jeremiah was intimidated with his assignment. When you get intimidated with your assignment, that's a sign that you've hit a limitation in your life, and that makes you seek his voice even more. That makes you seek his plan even more. That makes you want to be more in tune to his assignment than ever before. And you, you probably, if you've been here a while, you've heard me say this, even been if I've been in a meeting with you and you've been wanting advice or whatever, and, and you say, well, I just need to know. What do I got to do? I feel this. I feel that. I said, do you know? Well, that's what I'm coming to you for. Can you tell me? Well, if the Spirit of God operates in discernment, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, I can. Most times I do have that discernment, but most times I'll say to you, then do the last thing you know he told you to do. It'd stop a lot of divorces, wouldn't it? Huh? Well, I don't know what to do with this marriage. I don't know what to do the last thing he told you to do about your marriage. Well, be in love and be married and be in covenant forever. Well, I do that until something else is said. Well, it's no different with that than it is your covenant assignment to fulfill for him in the earth. All that makes, makes that up. So what you realize is that, that God is so interested in you. You hear me saying it flippantly a lot, but in Matthew's gospel, he says, I not only know you, but I know the number of hairs on your head. For some of us, that's a real miracle. <laughs> not much for me. There's not a lot there. Hebrews 4.12 says, I not only know you, know your heart, but I know the very intentions of it. You think you're fooling God? 
See, see, you wouldn't be under such condemnation and guilt if you got the revelation. He already knows what you're thinking anyway. What are you trying to hide it for? Why are you trying to cover it up with works? Or why are you trying? No, just give it to him. Just let him have it. I remember whenever I was going through this time before I met my mentor, several years journey of trying to overcome this whole thing with depression, trying to break this thing, didn't know really what it was. I'd pray, I'd fast, I'd go away. One time I went away and God spoke to me and, 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 and I, didn't, I was like, well, Lord, you know, I, I scheduled a few days to be away, all this, and you're not saying nothing. So I walked out through the woods and about that time, the Holy Spirit come on me and said, said, you're angry with me. I said, no, I'm not. I said, yeah, you are. You're mad at me. He said, your mom died? Yeah, yeah. Big dad on the church, a lot of pressure? Yeah. You've been betrayed by some friends and by some staff? Yeah. So, so you're angry with me. And then all of a sudden, I just started crying and shaking. I never would have said this, and I'll say the initials. That Sunday morning, we had about 800 in here, and I said the actual words. I said, yes, God, I am PO'd at you. Now, I would have never said nothing like that. I've been afraid you'd get struck by lightning, right? And I don't recommend, you know, running your mouth to God. But when you're already just about dead anyway, you know, what a, finish me off. I'm done with this. This is going to heaven. And then it broke for a long time, just broke off of me, this whole thing of not admitting I was mad at God. If you're not healed of your divorce or whatever you've been through or loss of a loved one or a family member or maybe uh, uh, being betrayed or maybe going bankrupt or losing, you know, your retirement, whatever, you're probably somewhere in there a little upset with God. Because you're like, I serve you. I could have been out doing this and clubbing and barring. I, I could have been crazy, but I served you my life. I've served you for a month. I've served you for a year, 20 years, or 30 years, or whatever. I've been served. I've done the best I can do, Lord. But still don't change the fact he loves you. Just the way you are, not the way you think you should be. Right? And so our assignment reveals our limitations, guys. And we got to realize that most of the things we're dealing with in our life is really our perception of God. What if you were in the Super Bowl and you were a quarterback, that's football, right? And your team is down 30 points and you're coming into the second half and it looks like it's over. Everybody that's cheering for you just finished off whatever they were drinking and they're about to pass out. They got mad. They had a fight with their wife, their kids, their friends, whatever. They're really depressed. But you already know the end of the story that you know that you know something or someone told you you're going to score 31 points as a quarterback. You're going to do these great plays and you are going to win. And it's going to be on the last play with two seconds to go and, and you're going to win. And, and, and it's already, you've seen it. It's going to happen and you know it. And you're just sitting there and everybody's all, and you're all calm and cool in the huddle. You're doing all this. Why? Because you already know. And it happens just like it's, whoo. Don't you know that God has given you an expected end, Jeremiah says? A good ending, a good way. It might not be so great right now, but, but, but you got to know in whom you are to believe. you got to know in whom you are to trust. Your, your assignment will reveal your limitations because if you didn't need God, it wouldn't be an assignment. But when you know him and know that no matter what happens to me, the Bible says what? Any, any bad thing that happens to me works for my good. The steps of a righteous person is what? Ordered of the Lord. Man, you're quiet in here today. So, so you get all tore up about stuff. You're not really mad at your husband or your wife, or your cat, your dog, your kids, or your cousin, or your brother, or your neighbor, or your preacher for that matter. You're really upset with God because you feel that he hasn't done it the way you thought it was going to be done because he had told you, but I got it in my prayer journal. I, I've had it prophesied. I've look here, the dates, the time, and this is going to happen. Well, let me help you here, sweetheart. He's God and you ain't. And neither is your prayer partners, your preacher, your prophet or prophetess. Or, they're not your God. He is. He is the head. Not the tail. He's above and not beneath. And whatever he says goes. He's the big cheese, right? He's the big one. So we get all tore up trying to figure out a way or how to get out of our pain. Does anybody like pain? I don't like pain. You can tell. I mean, look at my body. I don't like pain. No pain, no gain, right? 
So, so I don't like pain. You don't like pain. Who likes pain? Only crazy people like pain. Something not wired right. Oh, boy, I'll get to hurt today. Oh, God. Let's go jump off a cliff and end it. What? No, we don't like pain, and we don't like pressure. Pressure presses us, and when it presses us, it's pushing us away from something. When pressure comes, it's pushing you away from something. But, but think about it. The reason it's pressure, if you're still going to persist, you're going in the pressure anyway. The pressure of your limitations, the pressure of your fears, the pressure of your lack of knowledge, even the pressure of your understanding. All you got at this point is trust and hope. But if you'll be persistent, no matter what the pressure is, remember, a pressure is only there to separate, release, or propel something. So that pressure is to get you to separate you from something you shouldn't be in, or it's, getting to, it's there to push you towards something you're afraid or you feel you're limited in, right? So pressure is here to propel you, push you toward, or to pressure you and separate you from something. And either way, when you have pressure, what if you could celebrate your pressure? I mean, I'm the kind of guy, I'm like, oh, Lord, I got this. Oh, God, I'm stressed. Oh, I got all these things I'm doing. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just going to cut a couple of these off and just lay them off. And then two months later, oh, I got to find something else to do. I only got these four things. I need two more things. You said, well, you're addicted to pressure. No, I have a design on my life that can handle pressure. And I practiced in pressure. And it's not always fun. And it stinks a lot of times. And it don't feel good. But let me tell you something. When this when that becomes this, it's all worth it. When that becomes this, it's all worth it. And what you got to do is focus on that, what God said about you, what, how God's going to use you, what God's assignment is. I'll, I'll wrap up with this one clue, then we'll pray. He said, do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Don't be afraid of their faces, people you know, religious people. Uh, uh, people you work with or work for or work under you. Don't be, people on social media, don't be afraid of people, right? No weapon formed against you can prosper anyway. It's just going to propel you. The reason it can't prosper is going to propel you into what God has for you. So your communication, let me wrap this up, is going to play a huge part. How you communicate you say, well, how, how I communicate with God, is that the most important thing? No, not really, because he already knows you. The most important thing is how you communicate to yourself because that will determine how you communicate to others. I mean, Jessica was kind of leading into that. She's beating herself up and this and that. Anybody know she's a preacher of the word, right? You know she's a fireball. And there'll be a time she'll be preaching up here and be traveling and preaching again. She used to be a minister. She's still a minister. That assignment never left her, but she's hurt and broken. She needed some repair. But I'll tell you what, you're not who you used to be, are you? And you're even more anointed now than you were. I'm not who I used to be because of mistakes and failures. I'm not who I used to be because I give them to God and his grace is sufficient. See, see you're, just showed me limitations that I had pride and thought I could do it on my own. And I found out real quick after I struggled a few years or 10 years or whatever it was, I couldn't. But, but I, I don't want to do it again. But I'm thankful for it. And that may sound stupid, but I am. Because it, it, it really concerns me of what kind of man I would have been. If everything had turned up rosies and posies for me, right? If everything just, it's an old saying, right? If if everything, for old people, I guess. So so whenever whenever those things happen, guys, we got to realize. Where was that before I said rosies and posies? Anybody remember? Going once, going twice, huh? Yeah, problems help shape you. So so as as those problems, I, I had to celebrate the problems right? Do you realize there was things you were fearful of when you first came to Christ? Oh my God. What if I take another smoke, drag off a cigarette or smoke another joint or drink another beer? Or what if I break the speed limit? Or what if I cuss somebody out? To some of you, it's curse. You know, if I curse someone out, what if, what if I lie? Oh Jesus, Lord, forgive me. I lied. I lied. But you've been through stuff and now you got confidence that, that, that you don't fall into those things a lot of times because usually what you're focused on, you're, where your focus goes, your energy flows, right? And, and you kind of gravitate to the things you try to stay away from instead of focusing on who you're coming to so he can get you through. Yes. 
And he, he, he is here to get you through today. I, I just believe many of you here today, maybe you're depressed today because you're not out of town. Amen. <laughs> I'm not depressed because I'm not in Florida. Amen. But, but I, I want you to realize, maybe you're like, oh, God, it's raining, it's Labor Day, Lord, we're getting Labor Day, and it's raining, it's cloudy, and I'm sitting in here in this church, and most of the church is doing something fun, and I'm sitting here. They may be sick. You don't know. But your communication is going to play a major part in your assignment. <clears throat> Let me give you this verse, and we'll be done. You can go on and start playing, guys. That'll get me to stop, maybe. Jeremiah 1.9 says what? Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. So if it's a bad word to yourself, you're stupid. You'll never get this. Why'd you do that? You idiot, idiot. Then that's not God's words. Or he's stupid. She's stupid. I wish I'd never known that person. That's not God's words. I can't make it. I've blown it. It's not God's word. My goodness, I'll die with this or break that or wreck this. That's not God's words. It's your words. The most important things about communication is two things. Number one, how you communicate yourself. No one talks to you more than you. And number two, how you talk to others. But those are determined by how you see God. And you can get in his word, man. Man, you living in fear, get in Psalm 91. I remember years ago, I, I memorized, I was in all kinds of debt from a coal mine and some other things that went down. I'm making, you know, seven or eight bucks an hour as a youth pastor. Should have been making a lot more at that time. Had a lot of kids, but I ended up making a lot more. But anyway, I, I'm like struggling, wanting to get engaged with Steph, and I'm going, oh, all this money. And, and, and God, I just went home and I didn't want to get out of the flow of faith to visit my family because I was in Ohio. And I just went out in front of mom's driveway and walked back and forth and I memorized and just quoted Psalm 91 all day, all day. And then every time I'd fear fear come up or I'm not enough or I blew it, I just quoted Psalm 91. And you know what? That thing broke off me to where I started getting deliverance and big checks coming that I don't know where they came from to pay taxes and other things for that mine because some people would crook me and all those things. But all that, and, and, and I didn't even get that excited. I said, hey, Sam, $170,000 came from IRS. They said, do I want to apply it somewhere? Oh my God, yeah. I said, that's good, yeah. But I just gotten to such a point that, that, that I was so free, it didn't matter. When you can be free in the pit, you're free. When you can be free in the jail, you're ready to be promoted to, but to someone of influence so you can be a, a, on assignment for God. Paul was beaten, right? But he's in the bottom of the jail. Peter and John, what? In the bottom of the jail, what'd they do? They were free. When you can be, be free in shackles, when you can be free, you know, in, in, in a physical hardship, a financial hardship, a hard, uh, difficult relationship, when you can be free in that, you're free indeed. What is deed? <clears throat> deed is not only actions. It is talking about actions there. Be free. When you're free, you're free indeed. That means even my actions, even if they look like I'm bound, I'm still free. Also, deed can mean what? Ownership of something. See, what you got to realize when you're communicating to yourself and to others, you got to take ownership of it because that's your deed. And there's times I have to go back and repent. A lot of times. <laughs> because I'm kind of quick about stuff. Not as much as I used to be, but I am. And I have to repent. You know, there's times I have to repent to me and forgive myself for being so stupid to myself. I have to forgive myself for speaking so bad to me. Because when you're a self-punisher, you punish others. Whatever's going on in here is going on out there. Whatever's going on in here and here is coming out of there. Oh, I was just kidding. No, you weren't. You're just stupid that moment. Yeah, but you weren't kidding. Just repent. What's in you is going to come out of you. When the pressure comes. I just got my zero. I got to stop. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, I want to pray for you guys. This beautiful couple back here. Guys, yeah, you just stand up. I want to pray for you. You too, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you and your handsome husband. <clears throat> Thank you, Father. You haven't been this way before. So why do you think you know it? You don't understand it because you can't lean on your own understanding. You have to trust me, says the Lord. That 
even in the fire, even in the smoke, even in the bottom, even in the worst, I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you. You're my arrows. I have assignments on each of you. But I also have an assignment for you together. And today, I want to put the balm of Gilead over you, says the Lord. What is that? That's the anointing to heal your heart, heal your minds today. I'd like you guys to just hold hands. Father, I just thank you for this amazing couple. Thank you for the anointing on their lives. I thank you for all the things they've been through. And they've been through similar crazy stuff I was through. But all that, God, you're going to use to their good. All that, you're going to use to bless others. I break anger and anxiety off of you now. I break the spirit of guilt and condemnation off of you now. I announce you free, free indeed, says the Lord. The Lord said, tell them I love them. Tell them I love them. The Lord told me, say, tell them I already knew that stuff's going to happen. Get over it. I've already forgiven it, Lord. The, the moment you whispered it out of your mouth, forgive me, Lord. I forgave it. I, I, want, I don't even remember what it was now because I choose not to, says the Lord. Fresh start. Fresh fire. Fresh start. Fresh. See, when you have a great assignment, great pressure comes. And you guys are culture influencers. Whatever culture, you'll influence it good or bad. You're, you're culture influencers. So, so don't underestimate that. Don't underestimate that. Begin to use that as an assignment for God. Keep your mind healthy. Keep your heart healthy. And then you'll speak health and produce health in the life of others. Because the Lord said you're loved and you're free indeed. In Jesus' name. I love you guys. God bless you. Love you all. Hallelujah. Say I'm free and I'm free indeed. Why is, all, why is this, you know, why is everybody picking on me? What's that old thing here? Huh? Yeah, Charlie Brown. What's that? Lucy. Everybody's got a Lucy, right? It could be your boss. Remember little Lucy the little, my goodness, Charlie Brown, you're stupid. You can't do that, Charlie. You're going to fall. And he'd fall. But old Snoopy didn't bother him, right? Remember Snoopy? He'd be like the Red Baron. He'd put his goggles on. He'd go fight the Red Baron on his doghouse. I used to preach a series years ago called Snoopy Faith. You can have Lucy's faith or Charlie's faith or Snoopy's faith. Snoopy didn't care why. He'd go, like go on off to himself and just do what he wanted. He had fun when there was no fun to have because he had faith. You just need some Snoopy faith today. You, just need, you can't explain it. Can't understand it. You just got it. Let's stand right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for just snoopy faith, that, Lord, just that we are just like we're in midair, Lord, just shooting down fiery darts, coming at our family, coming at our health, coming at our finances, our anointing, our assignments on our life. We just have snoopy faith this morning, God. We just step into it. We release it over ourselves first, over our own mind, over our own heart. We release it, God, over those we come into contact with, influence. We release it over our church and all the churches on the earth. We release it over this nation, all nations, that, that, that even those that are godless, God, even the godless parts of this nation, we speak healing and we speak revival and we speak love, hope, faith, and salvation in Jesus' name. If you believe that, give God a big shout. I love you. God bless you.